Welcome to the Ransom Tar Podcast. Welcome back to uh, the second installment in a series we're doing on the care of the soul, what, what it looks like to practice soul care and why it's um, so vital that we do and, and how, just some illustrations from our own lives. And so with me again, Morgan and Sherry Snyder, my wife, Stacy, you're listening to John Eldridge right now um, here in the studio thinking about the care of our souls and, and sort of reflecting on some things we do, some things we don't do, some of the fruits or the consequences of that. Um, and before we, before we get a whole lot farther, I think what I want to do is just say, so give me an example, guys. Like what recently, what do you do to care for your soul? Because I think as folks hear that, they'll go, oh, 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 okay. I'm tracking with you now. What do, what do you do? What's what does soul care look like for you in in the last week or two? Okay, I'll go first. <laughs> um, what comes into my head are are primarily two things, and one is being in the scriptures. Um, not not to. Um, well, I don't know, just to be in the scriptures, whether that's just opening up the Bible to wherever, what you have for me, Jesus, and reading, reading truth, or it's doing a Bible study, which is not, doesn't feel like duty. It feels like nourishing my soul, mm-hmm. like just, but really diving it in and um, actually having key verses and writing them down. It just, it just feels like food and nourishment. It's been a while. Since you've done that. Yeah. And to ponder it like that, um, you know, the whole thing of underlining the words, it just just all of that, it just getting it deep into my soul. And and um, it's not been a while since I've been in the Word. It's been a while since I've done a Bible study like this. <laughs> but it is, it's nourishment. And then the other thing for me is just sitting on the front porch mm-hmm. in the quiet, mm-hmm. just watching birds, noticing the shift in the leaves, feeling the breeze in silence and um, just letting the beauty of God's creation mm-hmm. saturate yes. me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about for you guys? We have an open space um, behind our house. And even if it's just 10 minutes mm-hmm. of walking up into that space, and um, there's that saying, the 10-minute walk that I take is better than the hour walk I never take. Mm. And so even if it's just 10 minutes of walking outside, feeling the sunshine, noticing the change of the season, breathing deeply, mm-hmm. massive for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John, for me, I'm aware my temperament is intensity, warrior battle and circumstances lately have been very much that externally. And yesterday, just a very practical example, it's a full day at work and was shifting to engage the kids at home. And then Sherry and I were fighting for a date, which had been postponed for quite a while. And I had 20 minutes in between those activities where I just knew I needed God. And and what I wanted was 40 minutes for a run. And what I had was 20 minutes. And so I, I went out and instead 
of blasting, I I ran slowly for 10 minutes and then I sat for 10 minutes. Mm. And something in my flesh wanted to just like pound out a workout. And instead, what my soul needed was to slow and to breathe and to listen, mm. just aware the pace of the world is much faster than the pace of my soul. And um, Parker Palmer says this fascinating quote that's nourished me where he says, you know, we listen for guidance everywhere except from within. Before I tell my life what I can do with it, I must listen to my life telling me who I am. Mm. And he describes that the soul is like a wild animal and it's tough and it's resilient and savvy, yet it's exceedingly shy. And so he says, if we want to see a wild animal, the last thing we should do is go crashing through the woods, shouting for the creature to come out. But if we're willing to walk quietly in the woods and sit silently for an hour or two at the base of a tree, the creature we are waiting for may well emerge. And out of the corner of an eye, we will catch a glimpse of this precious wildness we seek. Mm. Just so aware for me, living a soulful life in the midst of this very um, broken and embattled world, I have to slow and I have to listen. I realize my soul is wanting to speak to me and I have to tune in. I have to begin my prayer sessions. And that's been a shift in my prayer life of starting with listening. Mm -hmm. God, where are you? Mm -hmm. Where am I? What mm -hmm. are you saying? Where do you want to go? Mm -hmm. And the shifting of listening is really helping me mm -hmm. in the life of my soul. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we said several times this summer, <clears throat> I'm really glad that the soul refuses to cooperate mm. <laughs> because mm. we, as we shared in the opening uh, podcast in this series, it's been a hard year in the Eldridge House and we've been through a number of very difficult things mm. from loss of our first grandchild through a miscarriage and Stacy's um, nine months of chronic pain ending in a hip replacement surgery and a number of other things leading up to the loss of our dear friend Craig. And, um, and even since then, still hard things. Like it's not, it's not even over yet. Mm -hmm. um, and I just love the fact that like my soul is not cooperating a lot mm -hmm. these days with my insistence of living at a certain pace or whatever. Yes. So... What have I done the last couple of weeks? Um, the, the answer is many things because I desperately need to. So let me, let me pick one. <clears throat> Music, um, beauty, beauty heals my soul. But I want to point right now to worship music and we have it on a lot in our house these days. And and I don't mean like I'm kneeling and I'm raising my hands and I'm trying to sort of enter into an active posture of worship. I mean, I am letting it minister to me. Mm. I am letting it gently carry my heart to God. Mm -hmm. and, and so music has been really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it has. John, what is the shift that happens, for example, real practically, from feeling that pull to just keep going 
and then you turn on the music and feel like your soul is engaging, what, what happens for you? Um, for one thing, um, that story you told about hearing the younger place and you saying, he's mean mm-hmm. to me, you're mean to me. <laughs> it, I, I think that there's something of, you know, my soul suddenly realizes, oh, I'm being cared for. I can come forth, mm-hmm. right? The shy animal in the woods you were just yes. talking about. That the first shift is um, one of release. The first shift is one of release. As I begin, whatever it is, music, the walk in the woods, scripture, you know, and we'll name a number of other things. But the very first shift is one of release. I, I, I start releasing the people that I'm obsessing mm. about. I start releasing fears, anxieties. Um, that's the first thing <clears throat> because it, it feels like it's giving my soul a space to come forth. And then this is a really, this is a really key thing for me is um, allowing whatever is there to, to have a voice. Now, sometimes it's sorrow, and and I'm I'm actually a fairly buoyant person, so I don't like feeling sorrow. Um, I don't like the process of grief. I I have learned enough over the years to embrace it intentionally, but um, but if I just give my soul some space and a voice and allow for whatever shows whatever needs to show up to show up um, and and then then there is the deeper connection with God and and that's what I'm after mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know ultimately the reason that we practice these mm-hmm. things is that it by one means or another mm-hmm. it's bringing me back into the life of God I'm mm-hmm. tapping, this this branch is reconnecting to the vine mm-hmm. and his life can flow in me mm-hmm. so it feels like I, I, I'm listening to myself, you know, how do I answer that question? What is my experience like? It's, it's like release and then it's like giving a voice to whatever needs to show up. Anger, rage, tears, sorrow, joy, whatever's in there, fear. And, and then having created that gracious space that then I can find God and I can begin to to actually connect with God and and draw again uh, from his life. That is so good. And I'm so glad you said that because I wanted to to talk about, well, why is it important? Well, yes, mm-hmm. for giving examples, but, mm-hmm. but why do it in the first place? Why mm-hmm. does our soul matter? Is it just mm-hmm. selfish to have a spacious place, a gracious place, or, mm-hmm. or is it essential? Mm-hmm. Morgan and I have noticed our children are aging and we can't fake it with them as much as we used to be able to. And their ability to sense our stress and our soullessness is so acute. And it is so (laughs) hard. How unbelievably irritating. Exactly. (laughs) Nothing like a mirror. Seriously. (laughs) It takes me greater soul to even be grateful that they can see better 
Because mm. exactly. So it's hard. They they pick up on irritability between mm. us. They pick mm. up mm. on the nuance of mood. If we particularly irritability, particularly stress. And so we're seeing, um, boy, and we're watching them, the man, pick up, pick it all up. And so I think mm -hmm. um, in a different way, we're seeing not only for our connection for God with God, but from when we lose connection with God, when we lose connection with our own soul, the quality of our relating just spirals very quickly. And uh, boy, we don't have the margin we used to have when our kids were toddlers and they all we had to do was like put on a cheery face and I don't know. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? So look, let me just name, if you don't, if you don't care for your soul, the people closest to you will pay. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I mean, mm. can I just name oh, that? Yeah. Gosh. Like the people closest yes. to you yes. will pay. Yes. And, and so that's one, one reason. Um, that's one reason for it. Um, when another stasis, you ask that question where I go is this idea, this quote by Parker Palmer, where he says that soul care is never a selfish act. It's actually simply good stewardship of the only gift I have, the gift I was put on this earth to offer others. He says that anytime we listen to the true self and the life of our soul, and we give it the care it requires we do so not only for ourselves, but for the many others whose lives we touch. Mm -hmm. Just, I'm so aware that I'm baited to believing that coming through and living out of the false self and its need to be validated by what looks like love is actually self-destructive and harming to other people. Whereas true soul care allows me to live united with God so I can bring actually the only thing that's of value to this world of the true image of God born in me and fueled by a, a, a literal union with God. That's what I bring to the world. And the enemy's constantly baiting me, and I believe many of us, into, into the a, you know, a different model that's just simply self-sufficient mm -hmm. and bringing something that doesn't bring the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hun, what about what about for you? Why soul care? I think that you have named it so well, but um, so yes, and having a capacity to have anything to offer anyone else, and being marinated then in the truth, so that I'm actually able to offer myself the truth. I'm actually able to believe God more deeply and more quickly and have his say be the thing that is the banner over my life versus um, versus how I'm feeling or versus looking at circumstances. Um, all of the things that are screaming at us at all times or the, the um, being aware of what I need with him being the primary thing I need. Mm -hmm. So my walk with him being intimate is really dependent on me um, looking to him paying attention to him and um, yeah. and following. Yeah. You know, I would add, <clears throat> the um, gang, you watch the news, you, you follow social, you have some idea. These are very, mm -hmm. very difficult times mm -hmm. on the earth. Um, 
And I believe that it is only those with strength of soul that will be not only able to mm-hmm. survive, yes, but able to offer the kingdom, mm-hmm. able to demonstrate to the world there is a different way. Mm. There is another way to live, to love, to parent, to work, mm. to play, yes. to befriend, <clears throat> to fight. Mm. Yes. There is a different way. Yes. And and but that requires a, an almost militant um, stand against the assault of of the world on yes. the soul. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Like a militancy that says, I, I don't want to go down like that. Mm. Yes. I, 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 I'll go down for the kingdom if yeah. I have yes. to, but I don't want to go down yes. uh, because the world has taken me out. The enemy has taken me out because I didn't pay attention to my soul. Yes. Because yes. I didn't practice care and, mm. and nourishment. And, and, and so this actually, this actually isn't, as Palmer was saying, a selfish thing at all. Right. Uh, what we're talking about is being the kind of human beings who who have a life and a life in God that enables them to weather yes. Yes. these days and love. Yes. yes. Offer, intervene, teach, parent, correct, help. Mm. Love. Yes. yes. Love. You when, know, John, it, um, recently I was turned back to the Proverbs and honestly, um, and again, this is a bigger picture, but that word discipline or even being militant about, you know, my my practices, how I arrange my life, again, temperamentally just would typically rub me the wrong way. And mm-hmm. I had some arrogance of um, living by the seat of my pants and kind of going with the wind as it were through my days. And um, that that is not helpful when you are wanting to live, uh, become the kind of person who could stand, John, what you were saying, to be able to, um, in a world gone mad, be able to have some um, still point and some some mm-hmm. connection with the axis of the kingdom of God. And mm-hmm. uh, it's been so such an act of repentance for me to say, okay, God, I want to be a student. And so I, I've been brought back to Proverbs which is hilarious because Morgan has read Proverbs our entire marriage. I just have not made it a habit. So I have found in the message version of Proverbs this so much. um, God is just wooing my heart. And, you know, there's this in chapter eight. It's so beautiful. He talks about wisdom and it says, I am lady wisdom and I live next to sanity. I just, when I read that, it's like, wow. Oh. <laughs> me, me, pick me. I'd like to hang out with her. I'd like exactly. to hang out with her. I want to live next to Sarah. <laughs> and I was like, oh gosh, that's so amazing. You know, it just mm. goes on to basically say what mm. you're talking about. If, if I don't live on purpose, um, you know, this, this wisdom is crying mm. out to me to say, if I live on purpose, if I participate with the way God made the mm. world, um, and I can actually become stronger. Mm-hmm. It will. It changes. It mm-hmm. matters. And so it's been mm-hmm. very re- a lot of repentance for me to say I'm going to have to be intentional. Mm-hmm. I can't just sort of live by the seat of my pants and right. this kind of um, mm-hmm. maybe bohemian mm-hmm. ideal that I had for a long time. And uh, as as we mentioned perhaps earlier, it's been fruitful. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I, I it's hard. I have to say I have to fight the regret of oh God. 
I wish I had done this in my 20s and not in my late 30s, but uh, now is a good time to. You don't get to. <laughs> you don't get to. <laughs> you just don't get to to reap all the fruits of the kingdom in your 20s. Um, Can I just say that? <laughs> <laughs> but the word madness, Sherry, I just got to pause with that for a moment because it's not just the world, you guys. The madness, the madness. Mm. I was a keynote speaker mm. at a large Christian conference this year and um, which was an honor, and I'm, I'm very honored to be invited to those kinds of things. And um, I want to describe to you backstage. So backstage is where all the operations are going on. So the leadership is there, and 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 not just the tech people, but the coming speakers, uh, the speakers that have already presented. You know, um, and the environment backstage was madness. Mm-hmm. Um, People having conversations uh, about having nothing to do with what was taking place in the building, having nothing to do with what was taking place in their own souls, chit-chat, business talk, uh, in 30 seconds before they are supposed to go up and, and present something of God. Mm. Noise, distraction, banter, deals being made. Um, and, and honestly, like the, the madness, I had to step out of the, the the formal backstage into a hallway where there was, this is a hotel, right? So there's like stinking trays of like um, uh, room service food trays <laughs> that are, you know, that are, that are in the hallway that haven't been picked up by the kitchen staff and there's yesterday's trash and you know, here's a broken podium, you know, from a previous event. <laughs> it, it, it was a nasty place Judge. and it was absolutely sane mm. compared to the madness, the madness of what most people just mm. assume, this is how you do life. Yeah. This is how you do the Christian life, mm. you know, and the idea that, that a speaker would need to pull mm. aside and, and center themselves and God, and pray, and and fight off the warfare, and shut down the distraction, and and enforce the kingdom was like a novel thought. Oh my! In that arena, yes. and what I want to say is that's normal. Mm. It's not just the madness of the world. The madness has seized much of Christendom, mm. and, and I, you know I say that with grief. It's not an accusation. Mm. It's I'm just describing a reality. So. Mm. Um, so let me let me just come back then to the practice of soul care. And I want to remind you all, um, our greatest rescue is is the passage where it says, Jesus is the shepherd and the guardian yes, of your soul. You you have help. You have a mm-hmm. shepherd mm-hmm. who will guide you in this process mm-hmm. if you begin to ask mm-hmm. and listen. And I think I want to add it will feel counterintuitive mm-hmm. at first. Mm-hmm. It will. It, there, um, it's another simple story. So two nights ago, uh, Stace and I had a very, very, very draining and demanding day. And we were utterly exhausted. We got home, um, you know, had a bite to eat. And there was about 45 minutes of daylight left. And um, we have two horses that we board down the street at a, at a boarding stable, and 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 um, and I said, let's go, 
let's go groom the horses. And it felt so counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. It was like, you're kidding me. This is the first 45 mm-hmm. minutes you've had all day. And, and you're tired. And there's just, there's always that, oh, really? Um, but I felt like Jesus was saying, no, this is what, this will be good. This is what mm-hmm. I want you to do. And so we just drove over and we didn't do anything. We didn't ride the horses. We didn't train the horses. We, mm-hmm. It was a very simple thing. We actually ended up only putting halters on them and leading them out to walk around. Let them eat some grass. And? Mm-hmm. And it was marvelous. Mm. It was so nourishing. It was. Settled our hearts, our souls. Profoundly healing. Yeah. And, and it was the counterintuitive thing to do in that moment. Um, but you have a, you have a shepherd. You, mm-hmm. you have a guardian of your soul who wants to guide mm-hmm. you through this process in, in both the obvious and the not so obvious. Mm-hmm. Guys, a couple other things. Mm-hmm. that what, what does it look like? What, is, what does soul care mm-hmm. look like? One thing that Jesus has been um, inviting me away from is a habitual obsessive checking of my email on my phone. And I realized that I would, uh, for several years, I've had my phone plugged in next to my bed. And I got into this habit when I'd first wake up of like picking up my phone and before I even thought about it, checking my email. And um, God slowly began to bring awareness to the fruit, asking me essentially what the fruit of that practice was. And that fruit is no good. And um, so not only has he brought awareness to me of the fruit of checking, but also uh, actually inviting Morgan and I to leave our phones downstairs out of our bedroom and not have them in our bedrooms. And it's changing the way, you know, so instead of scrolling through the news before we go to bed, we're um, force ourselves to look at something in hard copy. Mm -hmm. And it's been really good. And even so many just self-imposed disciplines and restraints on that of like, you know, come home from work and my phone goes in airplane mode because I just know I, I don't have the maturity to navigate all the the things coming at me. And so that world gets powered down so mm. I can be present to the family. Mm-hmm. But it just, it takes the the discipline of that from the pain, right? Oh, gosh. And the fruit of it? Oh, it's huge. It's, it's huge. well, it's engagement. And and I'll tell you, like one of the fruits, John, it's interesting. So we did take this intentional sabbatical again out of pain, getting into the rhythm of a soulful life. And what I was aware of was there are always transitions between activities. And in this world, my transitions, like most people, get filled with checking, checking email, yeah, checking oh text, right? Any transition in the car, Returning right? Or out calls. of a meeting. Exactly. Yeah. And so what was intended to be a pause and a lingering for soul to breathe, it gets filled with activity Mm -hmm. that's very reaction-based and usually it's someone else's need Mm -hmm. that needs to be tended to. And so I found this shift in me of trying to cultivate, I guess I'd call it like a practice of lingering, whether it's lingering in an activity a little longer or creating that, cultivating that pause, it's a way to sustain a rhythm of the soul. And I'll give a real practical example. So in our household, Sherry gave visibility to, we can't fake it with our kids. They're nine and 12 and they see everything mm-hmm. and they see the news and they see the divorces. And several times they've said, mom, dad, are are you guys going to get divorced? And it's just fascinating because it seems like that's what people do when it gets hard. Mm -hmm. And they've felt in our household stress and hardness at moments. And 
And so we see that in our kids, but also we see the fruit of our kids being invited to soulful living. And so an example, just just this week, we're lingering. It's an Indian summer out here in Colorado. It's beautiful. And so we have dinner on the back porch. I came home from a very full and tiring day. What I was feeling in my flesh was, let's get through dinner. We got We have to do homework, violin practice, spelling list, get the kids to bed. We've got yep. a routine. Yep. But my soul knew it needed fed. And so we've developed kind of a practice around our meals of lingering, of just mm-hmm. waiting, asking questions. The kids aren't in a hurry to get up from the table. And we got in this conversation about spouses. And I asked the kids, so what do you think you would want in a spouse when you're married? You know, if you know all these things about marriage, let's hear about your marriages. (laughs) So we're sitting there with a nine and 12 year old and Abigail said, well, here's what my top list would be in marriage. And she said several things, but of them, she said, my husband needs to love God and he needs to know how to spend his money carefully and not drink overload. (laughs) And he needs to be kind to me and my kids. He needs to be strong and helpful. That is She's awesome. Nine. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and, wow. and, and so here I am <laughs> sitting <laughs> from stress of a day and now my soul is just being validated. Jesus yes. says, you know it by its fruit, right? Yes. So I turned to Joshua, yes. my 12 year old little man cub and say, Joshua, what do you need in a wife? And he says, well, she needs to love God. And she needs to understand that if she likes fashion, she can't always have everything that's fashionable. (laughs) He said she needs to bounce back from whatever life throws at us. (laughs) And and she needs to understand that a boy's got to do what a boy's got to do. Like if he needs to go hunting for joy, she needs to let him go and not make him stay home to go to some social event. Oh gosh, Morgan! What I ironically, as I'm hearing you say that, I'm hearing you describe that our kids want soulful spouses. Exactly. Which leads it back to if if we listen to the children, what do they want? They want soulful spouses. They want people with the capacity to live with soul. Yes. Okay. You you talked about the soulful pause. We're going to take another one because I want to fill in. I actually have a very similar story from just last night that I'm dying to share, (laughs) but I'm not gonna share it. Why? Because our listeners have heard enough. Binge content is not good for the soul. It's just not, gang. Less is more. I know all of this feels absolutely counterintuitive to everything in both the, the the world and even in Christian culture, but pause, that's enough. Gadzooks, breathe, let it sink in. You've been listening to the Ransom Heart Podcast. This is the second in a series on soul care with John and Stacy Eldridge and Sherry and Morgan Snyder.